Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. This is the NZ Tech Podcast. We're here with episode 25. Wahoo! 25. It's us. <laughs> Far out. 2-5, quarter of a century. Can you believe it? Wow. Only a few months in, but uh, but we're getting there. So uh, this evening you've got in the studio myself, Paul Spain. You've got Bradley Burrows. And Skip Parker. Now, something that we have sort of forgotten to do for a little while is to uh, just to mention our Twitter handles if people want to uh, want to, to follow in. So um, we'll just run around those quickly. If you want to uh, follow any of us on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at Paul Spain. Mine is at Brad Bohr. And mine's at Urban Kiwi NZ. Cool. All right. Well, let, let's get into uh, let's get into the show for the evening. We have some interesting topics. A lot of Apple news uh, has been floating around in the last little while. We're also going to chat a little bit more uh, about Netflix here in New Zealand. We've got some Linux news, uh, a bit of news uh, about our friends from HP, some friends, some news from uh, the guys at BlackBerry or, the, or Research in Motion, as they're known. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's jump let's jump into it, guys. Let's do it. So iOS four point three point five. What's happening with that, Brad? Yeah, so um, Apple released for the iOS, so that's for everything um, around your um, iPhones and your iPads. So they released four point three point four last week, which had a lot of updates. Now the guys from um, iPhone New Zealand uh, picked a tweet out to me today and let me know that four point three point five has been released one week later. So they've had to apparently get an update out with some security issues that have come through. Uh-oh. And well, it's good actually. I'm actually really pleased to see um, you know Apple and that doing that because they don't have a good reputation for getting these releases out quickly. Um, so it fixes a security vulnerability with certificate validation is the official line. Um, it's for iPhone 4, 3, iPad 2, iPad and iPad Touch 4th and 3rd generation devices. So it seems to be a, a pretty small update. I think it's only about 29 or 30 meg, but they're following it pretty quick releases at the moment from, from last week, which is, yeah, I mean, I just did my 4.3.4 release, so then I'll, I'll do a quick security update. So maybe they're going to a, a monthly uh, Tuesday patch cycle like Microsoft. <laughs> patch Tuesdays. Yeah, patch Tuesdays. But no, I think it's good. I think it's really good to see Apple getting on and getting these updates out really, really quickly. Yeah, and I think once we see iOS 5 come out with the option to do those over-the-air updates, it will become much easier as well to keep the uh, devices up to date. So it's kind of cool. It'll do it in the background. You wouldn't even know it happened. Yeah. Now, the, the, for all you people that want to be able to know whether you can jailbreak 4.3.5, it's already been done. <laughs> uh, Red Snow, apparently, um, on the iPhone New Zealand uh, website, so iPhoneNewZealand.co.nz, they've got a great article around what the, the actual official update is. And the good news is that uh, Red Snow can jailbreak 4.3.5 for you straight away. So, yeah, that the iPhone New Zealand website is very, very good for keeping track of everything that's going on. Yeah, we had. I had actually heard something that the four point five, uh, or this latest update, the four three five, was part of it was designed to drop to block that jailbreaking, and uh, yeah, to- totally hasn't worked. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, bit of a yeah, epic sorry, fail. Sorry about that, Apple. But no, um, it's, it's good. It's good to see these security updates, like I see coming out. Yeah. yeah. Um, now. The Roku box. We're now in a position where everyone on the NZ Tech Podcast team has a Roku box. And I, and I want to say thank you, guys. That was a great little gift you brought back from the States. It's kept me busy for 
days. So we, we've got a sort of a split here. We've got some of us on the USA VPN server, so we get USA content, and then Skip's been staying on the local New Zealand loop, if you like, to see what it would be like if you bought one from Amazon, for instance. So yeah. what have you what have you found that up and works? Is it going? Is it feature-rich? What are you thinking? Um, yeah, so the, the, the usual services that you'd sign up, the big ones that they advertise, which is the uh, Netflix and the Amazon On Demand, um, Hulu, um, Hulu Plus, Hulu Plus, yeah. Yep. Um, those sites definitely a no go. And the thing that really annoyed me is Amazon kind of led me down the path of yes, you're going to be able to watch content. And then at the very last minute, after spending all this time registering and everything, it said, "I'm sorry, I can't do that. You're from New Zealand." Yeah, which was really flipping annoying. But um, there are other services there. There's lots of international streaming services which work very well. Um, some of the application type things, the Facebooky type things, getting pictures off Flickr and that sort of stuff, work very well. Um, the I've been using MediaFly quite heavy, heavily, and that seems to have a heap of services that you could you couldn't get um, outside of America. So that and that works exceptionally well. I was really impressed with it. Um, the one thing I did try was. Um, trailers it has uh, Flickster and the Flickster service isn't so slick from a New Zealand standpoint it's just a bit jumpy so you, you, jittery. Get those, you get those pauses and and buffering type type issues right yeah exactly yeah. now the um, the one thing that I noticed is that it does scale the video back in quality based on your internet connection now I thought this was a manual setting where I could change it but it doesn't appear to be anything there that I can do but and it, and it took a while for it to pick up that, hey, I'm on a really bad connection from the States, um, you know, data coming in from the States. So it took a little while to kick in and sort of drop things back and you sat there watching stuff buffer for a little while. But generally the experience is really good. Streaming TV on this thing is flipping fantastic. It's so a really what, nice experience. What so. was the TV that you were, you were able to stream? What was that sort of content? I mean, I know when I was having a look, you get stuff like um, – uh, so you know some news channels. Yep. So um, the news channels work very well. So I got um, all the um, the ABC and Fox type stuff, and that's an on demand type service. But that that's good because a lot of the stuff you want to watch from Fox is um, sort of bite sized snacky video. You don't necessarily want to sit there watching Fox stream. Um, yeah, but you don't get an option to watch it stream either, no. right? You've got to go pick a particular story, watch that. So you've got to be sitting there with your remote control sort of controlling. You can't just hit play and and, no. and sit back. Although you can do with, was it Al Jazeera that lets you just watch watch live? Al Jazeera and NASA TV are both live streaming services. Now, NASA TV wasn't fantastic quality, but Al Jazz was really good. It was very watchable, mm. um, which is quite good for us down here in New Zealand because if you don't have a... I think Al Jazz is on Sky, isn't it? I'm yes, not it sure. Is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But if you're not, uh, no, I think it, it's on one of the. It's on certain hours on like Stratos, on Stratos or yeah. yeah, one of those. So. So, yeah. So, for example, if you're trying to watch the news for um, what was happening in Egypt at the time, Al Jazz was the best service. Um, this streaming service would be the, by and large, the best way of watching it uninterrupted. Yeah, they so, had some pretty good content when I watched it the other day, actually, around what had been going on in the Middle East over the last little while, and and um, yeah, yeah, no, I thought it was good. Yeah, so everyone labels me a terrorist because I watch Al Jazeera, but um, <laughs> that's another story. But yeah, it's um, I, I am really impressed with the Roku, and um, very simple interface. Very simple interface. And when you say simple, they're saying simple as in dumb simple or simple as in really clean user eye to user interface to use? Actually, I need to clarify that. Generally, it's very easy to use. There, What happens is that 
if you're a channel provider, you can sort of design your own channel, how it's going to look. And some channels do get a little bit, oh, what the heck were you thinking with the up and down arrow and stuff like that. So it differs a little bit. But generally, it's it's quite easy to get in, find what you want and get out. Now, Caleb, my son, loves it because we can watch Sesame Street off Mediafly. That's great. That's really cool. Now, for those that weren't listening in next week, just to, to describe the, the Roku box, it's a little uh, box, probably similar size to a CD and what is it? It's less than an inch thick, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's tiny. tiny. Um, it's, is it as small as the Apple TV 2? No, the Apple TV 2 no. is smaller, but right. not by much. Not yep. by much. So, And it's got a connection to plug into your TV. You've got a remote control for it. You need to hook it up to the internet either via wired connection or a Wi-Fi connection. Uh, and then, yeah, because it's designed for the US market, there are, there are obviously the services we talked about there, Netflix and so on that if you want to use them, you've got to jump through hoops. But otherwise, the, all the things you're talking about, you can just plug one of these in and get, and get up and running pretty easily, right? Yeah, so I've not connected this to a US VPN at all. Yeah. So I've done the setup, configured, registered all sorts of bits and pieces, got the updates to it yep. as well, without having to be in the States. So this box will work in New Zealand quite happily. I, I think that's a, a really cool thing to, to know is that we can get some of these services down here that do go, give us a little bit more choice about what's going on as well. Um, and, and once you light it up to the US, obviously you, do, you get the benefit of Netflix and Hulu, but you can still get up to date of all the news that's going on, all the information like you said, and uh, there's even a few movie trailers and websites like that on, on there as well, isn't there? So yep. it is a really nice service, and I've still got mine streaming wirelessly at the moment. I, I have no loss of can like buffering or anything it's just perfect it's really good and it's also hdmi and component component yes yeah, component yeah, the one I, I've, I've got it hooked up hdmi and it's really slick we tried component and that's just as slick yeah so, so it's an easy setup what 15 20 minutes um it we it took a little time for the update to come down so you basically set up the update came down and walked away you do a bit of back and forth to your um computer at your desktop or your laptop to do the setup configuration side yeah. of things but no, it was not a not a major mission at all, really. So, if people wanted to get those down here and use it in New Zealand, Paul, where's the best place to get it from? Uh, right now, if you go to Trade Me, yeah. there's. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, that wasn't a segue into your Trade Me, but obviously there's one on Trade Me at the moment. But it's Amazon after that, isn't it? Yeah, no. So Amazon Amazon sell them. I don't think Amazon will ship them outside of the US at the moment. So. It, Again, you'd have to jump through some hoops if you want to get if you wanted to get that delivered. Um, obviously, what what Brad and I did was when we were up in the states, we you know we brought back a uh, a boot a bootload of them. Um, so um, right, we're going to have immigration after us or so customs or whatever it is. Okay, we brought back. Um, well, between us and friends, there's probably you know other people that we were travelling with. There probably would have been at least half a dozen units that came back. <laughs> Um, and you know they're pretty well priced up there. Uh, you know, around in the sixty to a hundred dollar US range, depending on which model you buy, plus plus their tax, which they charge you on top. So, um, and with the New Zealand peso being so strong at the moment, it's a <laughs> it's a good time to look to get these things if you can work out some way getting them back through. But it's it's definitely worth having a play, and it's nice to have another service. And it'd be great. Imagine if Sky New Zealand plugged into it, or Freeview, or stuff like that started plugging into that. It'd be really quite cool. And there, there's definitely the potential for that to happen in in, in the future. One of the other things I saw in the States was there's a number of 
of other sort of plug-in type devices into your TV that yep. let you do these sorts of things. So, for instance, you know, Brad and I saw um, a number of, of Blu-ray players that had the Netflix capability, you know, just built into them oh, as, yeah. as standard. Uh, there was there was a Google TV device uh, really from that we, that, from from actually a Google TV device from well from it Sony was not that good oh. <laughs> it was terrible um, I'm sorry there was in fact I think there was even Sony TV with that actually built into it there was another one from uh, or another device not um, that that had similar type types of functionality. Uh, Sony had their own um, own sort of interface of to the web as well. They had their Facebook and their menu system as, as well at that yeah. store. So yeah, and, so, and, so there are, yeah, yeah there are there are there are a bunch of bits and pieces available, uh, and the US seems to be you know leading that because obviously internet connections and so on. There you know you you tend to have unlimited data or much much bigger caps and so on in in any situations where there's a gap. So. But haven't you noticed in New Zealand that the advertising on television has gone definitely to smart TV devices now? So Samsung, and I really want to get my hands on a Samsung to have a look at one, seems to have an amazing offering of an internet-based television service. Yep. Um, so I don't know what that encompasses, but probably not much use with a lot of our our uh, internet offerings at home. But, um, we'll, but you'd, we'll, you'd think we'll have that, to try it out. You'd think that perhaps there is because it's they're advertising specifically and very heavily into the New Zealand market on this um, television advertising and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, maybe they're trying to push the market a certain way, and and especially in New Zealand, where we've seen the stats for IPTV usage between the the two main free um, television services has just gone through the roof. I mean, that's got half a million a week unique visitors and it's growing rapidly. So uh, a question for you guys. Um, one of the things obviously with Xbox is they're going to have Xbox IPTV and it's going to be out of Australia. They're going to have that in Australia. I wonder how many people are trying to get, going to try and fiddle it so that you can get your Xbox Australia connection with a VPN from over here to actually give you IPTV. And we'd get much better throughput through to Australia. Yeah. It's a small bit of wire. So. Yep, it's a lot closer. Well, there's a lot more wire. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see when that service comes live and what can be done around that side as well. Oh, yeah. We'll keep people up to date on that one. Yep. Good. All right, so moving moving along, um, Linux, in Linux news, Microsoft has been mentioned. Brad, <laughs> do fill us in on this. this <laughs> so, you know, we're scratching our heads here. This doesn't make sense. So I found this really interesting. <laughs> um, so I've been doing a bit of reading around the new Linux kernel 3.0, which they're, they're working on and have been working on for a little while, and various players have been contributing to it. And it was interesting to see the other week that um, they sort of ranked out who the biggest contributors are so far to the Linux 3 kernel. Microsoft was the fifth largest contributor to the Linux 3 kernel from the open source thing. So they've been pumping all this their version of open source to the Linux community, and then they've let the Linux community develop it and put it through. And it's all around to do with um, virtualization and virtualization drivers and interfacing into different products. So, yeah, I, I, it was good to see. I mean, it's obviously, we've been talking about that changing face, but it's nice to see those two communities actually working together to actually embrace it so but they're all in aren't they <laughs> i hate to say that i mean that, that that's it that's it microsoft are all in the cloud type services so i guess they have to make that investment heavily in the linux side of things yeah um, I, I think it, i think it's good i think it's really really good that they get away and they start plugging into it that it, um, linux is a viable operating system that a lot of people are starting to use now 
um, schools are starting to use different flavors. I know the Arewa um, debate that's been going on around the iPads, <laughs> and there's been the open source community's gone up in arms around that, saying, "Well, why aren't we using Ubuntu and in, in there?" And you know, it's all this sort of stuff. So I think it's good, but it shows that the people are actually starting to work together, which is nice. Yeah, I mean we're 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 in a good uh, we're in a good position. All the competition that's going on is is not a bad thing, and and it's great to see, uh, yeah, different vendors getting involved in other vendors' products to make things work together. So yeah, no, it's, it's good. The more that happens, it's going to be better for us as a consumer of the different interfaces and you know bits and pieces. Now, before we dive into um, some more Apple discussion. HP have a new device coming out into the market. Now, Brad and I had had a look at these, and we chatted about them briefly last week as a touchpad. Yep. Uh, at that stage, we didn't have any you know specific knowledge on the New Zealand launch. We you know we were aware that it probably wasn't too far off. Uh, there is a launch event for the media here in New Zealand. Uh, on Thursday, so the secret launch, which the, you just told everyone about. Whoops. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, we're probably under non-disclosure on that. <laughs> it's, it's all at Paul's house, <laughs> which Apo- is <laughs> apologies, HP. Um, but um, yeah. So so what 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 we know is that the the touchpad certainly can't be far off in New Zealand with with that event for the media, and yeah, we'll we'll be able to update you. In next week's episode, in terms of availability, if it doesn't, uh, you know, if it if it doesn't have a nearly immediate launch following that event, so, yeah, we'll um, get some pricing for you too. Yeah, so that's uh, that's good news. The interest. One of the things I noticed in the US was the huge investment from um, HP in particular, but also um, the BlackBerry guys around these new these new uh, tablets. HP were advertising all over the TV. There were billboards in all sorts of places. Uh, BlackBerry had billboards at the at um, Los Angeles airport. Uh, there, there were just things everywhere. These guys are spending huge dollars promoting them, and even in the retail stores, you know the products were well represented. But especially the tu- the HP touchpad. You know, I, in one store there was a stall with I think probably four touchpads on it. Uh, I was the only person that was having a look at it, but, you know, they've obviously, you know, spent some money sort of seeding those into the stores and, and you know, giving them a really strong presence. And and the advertising wasn't just, you know, a little ad. They had celebrities across oh, all of the HP ads to promote the touchpad. So HP are spending, I would think, in the hundreds of millions of dollars to, uh, you know, to promote this and to try and, you know, get it in there alongside the iPad and Android and, and, and other tablet devices. And I think they're trying to pitch it to the business community more than the consumer community because a lot of the stuff that I saw over there, I mean, you're right with all the celebrity ads, but they were they were trying to get people with the sort of more of the productivity side of it as well, I felt. So, uh, look, my views were it was a good version one product. I, I liked it. I think it's a version one. So there's a lot of potential there, but it'd be great to get some over here and hopefully we'll speak with HP and get some up here that we can play around with as well, a little bit more than us raiding the Best Buy store, which is what we tended to do when we're over there <laughs> to have a go with these things. Yeah, and, and I guess that's one of the challenges being here in New Zealand as we don't always get the you know, the first of the products and it's, you know, probably we're not always going to be in a position every week to uh, you know head up to LA to um to, to look at the new product releases before they're launched in New Zealand. Uh, but you know, so far we haven't had any luck with um, um, you know getting early access to to most of these products here in New Zealand. But uh, we are finding some some techniques to do that, and 
sometimes that will just mean jumping on a plane, but uh, hopefully we'll find some other techniques as well. Most definitely. Uh, to keep listeners up, up to date with, uh, with the latest, even if it's not here in New Zealand yet. So, uh, yeah. Now, Apple News. There's a whole lot, isn't there? There's, well, there's all sorts going on. We've got uh, Lion, which which has come out, the, the new version of um, Mac OS X, the yep. 10.7 version. So, you know, we've known that that's really close and was coming out this month. So uh, that came out, was it about Thursday last yep. week? We were bang on with our sort of four, when we were talking about it last week, which mm. is quite good. Mm. Um, so I've installed that on uh, on my MacBook Pro, and so that's what I'm, I'm running uh, right now, this evening. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going all right, but looking around the various sort of media coverage and the tweets and, and, and blog, uh, reports, there seem to be quite a few issues out there, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, look, even from, I suppose the, the diehard Apple, I don't want to say fanboys, but Apple uh, enthusiasts, it's had a mixed, uh, Release to the world, if you like. Now they've done a, they've done an amazing amount. I mean, a million downloads in the first day. So it's not like it's it's a, it's a, not a failure, but it's getting, no. definitely getting mixed reviews and different <clears throat> different fronts at the moment. I, I was seeing a lot of interesting comments on Twitter as it was rolling out. The general Kiwi consensus I saw was, man, this thing's taking forever to come down. Yeah, and this is what we always talked about, the yeah. big issue, right? The four gig download from um, Leopard. Yeah, uh, it, it didn't take long for me to download. It took about an hour, but yeah, I was seeing reports of some people that it was taking all day for them to download. Yeah, I guess it depends on the internet provider you're connected with. Um, and then there started to be um, conversations about, oh, something's not working properly. And it seemed to be the people who had... I guess higher end professional design type apps yes. were having issues. So we, we know what they are, the two major companies, one's Adobe yep. and the other one's the Microsoft Office for Mac. Yep. And they've both released statements saying that line breaks for some people, those applications. Now, Paul, we can't break his, which is kind of a first at the moment. He hasn't actually <laughs> broken it. But, yeah, thanks, guys. But um, a lot of they've actually publicly gone out and stated, look, there are some major issues with um, if you just do an in-place upgrade, which is obviously how you have to do it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. They're going to have to get some fixes out from Adobe and from Microsoft around the Office products. Oh, and it's it's a lot, and of, more, a yeah. lot of vendors. So, I mean... What what I've been you know recommending um, to my customers is that in a business environment, it's probably not it's not ready to sort of start rolling out just yet unless unless your mix of applications is entirely compatible. Uh, but it probably won't take too long because if we look back over previous OS X um, versions. There's always stuff that breaks. It's just sort of the way Apple Apple does it is they bring in some new some new things, a bit of stuff breaks, you know, they change the networking stack, they change a bunch of you know, enough stuff that things will be falling over, you know, a little bit left, right and centre. Uh, but those vendors will always end up coming out with new versions that, that, that fix everything. Uh, but yeah, in a business environment you need to tread carefully, otherwise you'll uh, you know, you could be a little bit stuffed in terms of trying to get the work done that you need to get done. So that was good. I mean, Apple's big at the moment, and they've got bigger and bigger and bigger, and their market share, you know, they've gone from 6 or 7%, they're up to about 11 or 12 worldwide now market share for for the Mac devices. Can they keep following that methodology to roll out a new OS? It's easier when you've got a smaller user base, but as they're now becoming more and more in the in the enterprise, are they going to have to start following other enterprise-based pieces of software to actually roll it out? I don't think there's as heavily in the enterprise, you know, as Windows, for instance. Yeah, you know, obviously they're not as as heavily 
in the enterprises windows. But there, there, there are a lot. I mean, in Australia, they've got something like I read the other day, twenty eight percent market share in the enterprise over there. It's the second biggest Apple share in the world is in Australia. So you can imagine what that does to a lot of productivity in Australia, for instance, where you know they start going, they're doing, doing these upgrades and it's breaking all the applications. It's interesting. I guess, you know, there are particular areas where it gets used. Obviously, it gets used in a lot of creative, you know, businesses who are who are doing design, doing video editing, those sorts of things. And then you've got the execs and the CEOs who are just like, well, I want, you know, I want Apple because it looks cool or, you know, or because they've, they've used their iPhone and they've decided to make that transition. There's a, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people do it. Um, but it's... Yeah, I guess in in those situations where people are using it for deadline-driven stuff, they're usually probably smart enough not to go and push out that update themselves. They're going to wait until you know their applications are tested and and uh, you know they know that it's okay. So I, sorry, I don't, I don't I don't know if that is entirely the case with the Apple base though. I mean, the Apple base is very much driven by the next new thing. I'm going to buy the new iPad too. I've got the old iPad. It's not much different, but I'll get it anyway. So I think there's probably that base has more risk of going headlong into upgrade film without much... I'm not saying they don't think about these things, but it's just because it's the next best thing, so let's do it. Yeah, and depending on... But with with that user base, you know, for instance, a lot of their stuff will, will keep working. For instance, the things I've done this evening in, in, uh, in office have, have worked okay. Yeah. Um, I know there are some compatibility issues and so on, and, and there's a bit of a list of, of things. But it hasn't, you know, that hasn't hit me just yet. So they make it on okay. Yeah. So, but okay. Yeah. So let, let's. We've sort of not. We're not bagging it because I actually quite like Line personally. <laughs> I've been using it for. I've been on the beta thing. So, what what are some of the new things that you've found? Um, and I can sort of talk about some of mine if you want. So, what are some of yours for you? Um, there, there's um, the scrolling, which is is become. Uh, I guess they've tried to make it like a touch operating system. Even you know, even though you're not touching the screen. But when I, you know, I'm using my trackpad, for instance, the uh, the scrolling is is backwards compared to what it, you know what it used to be in OS X. So it's reversed, basically, yeah, around. Yep. yep, yep, yep. So you know you're swiping, um, you're swiping up to go down, and 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 vice versa. Yep. Um, but you know those sorts of things. Um, I quite like the when when you're logged out and you're at that kind of that um, login screen. It's um, I guess it's it's got sort of shades of some of the stuff we've seen on the Windows 8 beta in terms of it's a little bit phone like you've got your you know your battery um, life at the top and your time and so on and you've got what look very much like um, a touch user interface type screens and it actually when you look at that you do wonder is is Apple planning to release some touchscreen-based uh, devices that will run their full-blown operating system? Mm. Because it, all of the things on that screen look very, um, you know, very touch-friendly. It's quite interesting. Yeah. So for me, I'm, obviously, I'm running on an iMac. So you've got it on a, on, a, on a laptop. I've got it on an iMac, and I don't. Obviously, I'm using a mouse, so I don't get a lot of that that touch that you get off your off your trackpad there. But you were showing me some of the scrolling, um, the menus, um, swiping side to side with the new screens and everything. Yeah. So if you put three fingers on the trackpad and you and and you um, slide across, um, you know, you get to see all of the um, all of the little widgets. And see, you know, you can set up your own um, ones, and the you know the standard it comes up with, with a weather and a, a clock and a um, 
you know, calendar and, and calculator those bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, and then you swipe away and, and you're back to your normal screen. So yeah, that that's quite an interesting look. I mean, you were saying before it, it reminds you a little bit of uh, you know some of the Android devices where yep. you can sort of slide slide uh, sideways, and you'll see uh, you'll see a bit of a different screen. So um, yeah, so that yeah, it's it's quite cool um, in terms of using it. Um, I'm the reason that I swipe is just because it's new and it's the cool new thing, but I don't <laughs> actually see a whole lot of practical use for that in the way I work. Um, but, you know, there's been these sort of things where you can, you can have multiple desktops and so on have been around for years. Well, it's very, it's very iPad-ish. If you think about it with your iPad, you can scroll through those different screens. Mm. That's the same concept that you've got here is you can scroll through. So, yeah. And what about the App Store? Have you been playing around? I mean, I played around the App Store quite a bit on, on the beta that I was using, and I, I really liked it. I really liked pulling stuff down there and having it in my OS. But, have you had a play yet? Yeah, I mean, well, the App Store's been around for a while anyway because it, it was there with, you know, 10.6 when we got partway through the yep. process. The funny thing I always find whenever I go into the App Store now is there's a big ad at the top for OSX Lion and it says, do you want to download it? <laughs> and I'm sort of thinking, well, you know, I thought Apple were a reasonably sort of smart company that could develop smart software. And the fact that it's that I'm running Lion and it's there got a huge ad filling the whole thing up trying to sell me Lion, um, yeah, leaves me scratching my head in terms of their uh, level of competence. But um, if it was any other company, I'd probably just accept it. But, um, you know, I just thought Apple were a little bit smarter than that. So, Ooh, very high standards for Mr. Paul's play. Yeah. So I have to make fun of them. I have to make fun of them for that. Um, but uh, that, no, That's because you didn't buy a copy of Lion? Is that right? You downloaded it from Pirate? Oh, no. No, I paid my whatever it was, $38.99. Since, so, that's a uh, that's a great. I'm sorry, but that is brilliant pricing, isn't it? It's I'm, awesome. That is really good. Why? Why? I mean, why would you not? You know, it's yeah. uh, it's it's a really good value. You know, way of buying it. Yep. Now, the thing, one of the things was one of the gripes or one of the you know discussion points earlier on, earlier on, and you know a few weeks back was that Apple said that Lion would not be available in retail stores, and you'd only be able to buy it by download. Well. They've now said, "Oh yes, you will. You will be able to download. You will be able to um, buy it on a USB key. It's oh, cool. going to be nearly twice the price." Uh, wow, that's we're, we're, really not going to break the bank, though, is it? No, but I, it just—it's just interesting because what it means is that they didn't have to have it in stores on launch day, and the bulk of the sales happen when the product launches. So, as they said, they sold a million copies on day one. So all of the sort of you know those those um, stores like you know um, you know we've got Yobi and, and so on here in New Zealand that really work hard to push the Apple brand in New Zealand and to promote it um, you know they've missed out on on selling this software having people come into the store buying the software maybe buying a trackpad to go with it and so on um, because Apple's just said oh look you know we'll, we'll make it available to people. Um, directly, so yeah, you don't didn't have all those cues and so on that you'd normally get when there's a there's an Apple release outside the stores. Um, I mean, from a consumer point of view, I th- I think hey, it's it's good, it's good value, uh, and yeah, great. Um, I guess it would have been nice for those with bad or not so fast internet connections to be able to go in and buy it on day one as well on a USB stick, but hey, not a big deal. I guess the other thing is that it maximises their revenues on the OS as well. I mean. There was no license key for the OS, was there? 
Never has been. No, because you've got to upgrade from a current version right? at the moment. So, But you could go and buy a copy of it and then pass it on to all of us and we'd upgrade and that would kind of be none the wiser. So at least with a download model, that's sort of limited to the person who's downloaded it. So I guess they're trying to sort of circumvent a, um, a well, you can't just piracy it, type it, issue. It leaves the file there so you can copy it around on keys and so on. All right, okay. I think it may, and I need. To, I actually need to double check on this, it may tie back into your um, ID, but once you download it, you're allowed to install it on, I think, up to five machines if, you know, if those are your, your own machines. Right. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interest it's an interesting approach, and and it's you know it's quite refreshing seeing software available at such you know good sharp pricing. When we look at say the you know the pricing model for Windows, it's it's totally different. Yep, and you know I know it's a quarter hey, the price. It's <laughs> yeah exactly well, or, or or less yeah, and and you know the model with Windows is different because you don't get such regular updates with Windows. You know they're probably. You know, for every Windows version, there's usually at least two or maybe three new versions of the Mac Mac OS. You know, we've seen them coming out usually every between 12 and 24 months for Mac OS um, updates. So, you know, some of them have been out 12 months apart. This one, we've we've waited what nearly two years. It's at least 18 months anyway um, since we had Snow Leopard. So, um, I, I guess it's the difference between service packs. Yeah, and I was going to say. Releases, I yeah. so. 10.6.5 is a is a minor, but yeah, no, I I agree. I like it. I think they've done good. I think one of the things that I've become more accepting of is that they're trying to push us as consumers into getting used to downloading our OSs now. And also to and buying good. every update, right? Because with Windows, you buy a machine, it comes with whatever it comes with. And you with. get all your updates for free. And most people wouldn't go and buy, you know, if they bought, say, XP, they wouldn't go and they wouldn't have gone and bought Vista for that machine Well, no, they wouldn't buy Service Pack too, which is what Apple are doing. They're, they're giving you... They're gonna, you know, they're talking about charging you for updates and bits and pieces from there. With major releases, you know, thirty eight dollars is is um, yeah, is good. Yeah, yeah, good. All no, right. Overall, well, overall, well, well done, happy. Apple. Uh, like liking what we see, I'm certainly enjoying it. So, uh, so that's good. Cool. Let's go. Now, research in motion. Who are the um, the guys who produce the BlackBerry and of course the new uh, BlackBerry Playbook that hasn't done so well in the market yeah, it's a bit uh, of an epic I mean, fail. we haven't seen it here in New Zealand yet but doesn't seem to be selling well in, in Australia or uh, or in the US I mean I think it will come out here in New Zealand because you know there there is a there is a following uh, there were even some rumors that they were actually going to pull the product entirely which which rumor have come out and said hey no that's not the case but their big news today is they're laying off about two thousand staff, right? Which yeah. which accounts for more than ten percent of their yeah, workforce. Eleven percent of their workforce is gone. So mm. it's really sad actually to see such a dominant player in the market like Room have been now starting to be, I suppose, begins to call on the on the decline of where they were and they're gonna to have to do a bit of a reset and an adjustment and, and whether that's getting bought out by somebody, we don't know. Um, everyone's always banking around that Microsoft's gonna buy them, but I think with the Nokia thing I can't see that happening. But they're going to get them in a position soon where they've got to make some pretty radical changes to to keep where they are and not keep sliding down the market share. Yeah, I think they're an organisation that needs to reinvent themselves. And we, you know, we saw this with Palm, where they, you know, they had a there was a window of time where Palm was very successful. They were innovative. There was nothing else on the market that did some of the things that they did. Um, but because their product portfolio wasn't very broad. As other competing products come into that space, they really struggled. 
And, you know, I'm still really interested to see how, you know, the Palm products, which is what we're seeing now in the HP touchpad and and um, their other WebOS devices, I'm interested to see how that will go, um, you know, being carried by a much larger brand. But, yeah, I wonder whether, um, you know, BlackBerry will will need something like that to uh, to give it a long-term future or whether they'll be able to survive. There is one thing that they do have is loyal customers. They actually have, and I, I have quite a few friends that love their Blackberries. Oh, they're cool devices. And they, you know, they may be lagging behind what all the other people are doing, but people are quite attached to these devices that actually just work. When you send a message, a message goes and a message comes back. Mm. You know, it's quite a reliable device. So, yeah, I think they need to, they really need to pick up on that um, fan base and really start, I guess, developing something new. Uh, Actually, what they probably should do is listen to their employees, like that letter that they that leaked out yep. recently, because um, that's a company that's got huge potential and it's just not being realised at all. Yeah, no, they need to evolve to, to to version two where they are at. So let's hope that we don't hear any more layoffs. It's it's not good for us or the industry. So yeah, bit sad. Now, Apple and fake stores in China. There was some pretty this interesting news that floated around. Uh, the 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 web last week around these uh, these well there were at least two stores that that had opened up in a um, um, a smaller city in uh, in China and there were all these photos in the stores and they looked like a genuine Apple store in many regards until you looked a bit more closely right oh look I'm actually looking at these stores online right now they they are not they are mirror images. I mean, they have all the Apple brands. They have the logos. They have the staff even wear the same shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the st- even the way they lay out the store. They've even got. I mean, it's just incredible. It, they are, it is an exact duplicate of an Apple store. Straight away, three of them were discovered in, in a quite a smaller city, and you know they've even got the same glass. The white. This. It's just, it's, <laughs> they've even got the same landlords and, and the yep. badges and everything. It's just ridiculous how much of a ripoff this is. Yeah, I mean, apparently they weren't quite as as nicely uh, yeah put together as the as the real store. When you look closely, one of them was saying that you know paintwork wasn't finished and things <laughs> were a bit rough around the edges. And I mean, I, I've been to one of the genuine Apple stores in in China. Um, Lately, oh, about probably nine months ago, and uh, yeah, I mean the, the the stores that they have there are, are just as stunning as as the stores in other parts of the world, if not more so. Uh, you know, really impressive the one that I went to in Beijing. So um, yeah, this has been quite interesting. But they they were selling genuine Apple product though, weren't they? Yep. They weren't selling sort of cheap well, iPhone knockoff or anything like that. No, two of them two of them were selling um, genuine um, Apple products, the ones that reported. The third one had knockoffs, right. and that's actually been closed down. I'm just looking at it now, but the other two are still operating at the moment. Apple should just go and take them over. <laughs> yeah. You, you've got to admire the Chinese. They know how to make a, uh, a knockoff copy. They really do. <laughs> yes. Very smart in that way. They are. Very, very smart. But no, it's interesting to see that these are starting to happen. Now, I've also just been doing a quick scour around the web, and there seems to be a few more knockoff stores, clone stores of the Apple in Colombia and a few other places as well. So it'll be interesting to see where these things come through. I mean, and they are touting the Apple brand. So, yeah, interesting. Mm. No, it's... um It's pretty, pretty ballsy of these guys to go and just, you know, completely rip off a... Uh, a store, and uh, you know the 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 comments I read said when when they spoke to staff at these stores, the staff actually thought they were working for Apple as well. 
<laughs> That's genius. Which which That's which genius. was pretty impressive. So these guys just thought, yeah, we're working at an Apple store, and uh, yeah, they they had no idea that it was a it was a con. Now, yeah, I mean, who who knows whether they were, uh, you know, they would they were just saying that to play along, or or what the real story was. But um, <laughs> I love that. That's even better. Yeah. Um, so I don't know whether we're going to see more of this. Whether they're going to be, we're going to find out that there are Sony stores in China selling fake Sony stuff and um, a genuine Panaphonics, you know, or whether we're going to, you know, we're going to find that there's a Toyota dealer that's selling actually, you know, ripped off Toyota um, cars that are really made in China and aren't Toyota. I mean, oh, who knows how? Who knows how extensive this stuff is, right? Yeah. If, you know, one person's found this example because they switched on enough to. To discover it, but you know, it took a Westerner to to break the story internationally. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, oh, it's it's quite fascinating. But that, that's the problem now. Eh? We've got technology and demand for technology that people are wanting. You know, we want the latest Windows Phone Seven, we want the latest iPhone, and you you often can't afford to buy the the full price one. But there's a guy over here selling it for you know maybe two hundred dollars less. And it looks like the genuine article and acts like the genuine article. So it's getting a little bit murky now with all the technology that's coming in. You know, are you getting the right thing? And I, I had a problem with my um, AT&T Samsung and it wasn't updating properly. And I sat there at first and I thought, oh, no, don't tell me I've got some sort of cheap Chinese knockoff unit. It turns out that it wasn't. But you've got to be very careful these days, especially in the parallel import space. Yeah, you do. Hey, sorry, just something that's just come across my little um, email box in the last few minutes. Um, Apple have actually just released um, a beta of 10.7.2. So oh, this is offline. So 10.7 is the version of Line that just went live last week. They've actually released a beta of 10.7.2, which has all the iCloud software built into it. So wow. for you developers out there that are playing around with Line, um, you can now get access to 10.7.2, which is the a beta version inside Line, which includes iCloud. So just something that's just come across my desk. Oh, that's good. That's cool. Sorry about that's that. That's cool. So now Avatar Connect. Yes, this is cool. This is, Brad, you need to you need to talk about this because I know you're excited about I'm this. I'm super excited. <laughs> um, I had to get it in there. Look, I, I suppose between – so th- what this is is that in Xbox Live, you have an avatar, so a persona of yourself, and – the next version of Connect is going to get uh, very, very accurate on facial recognition. So they're going to be able to move your eyebrows and your, your eyebrows and your avatar will move, wiggle your ears and that type of stuff. But what they've done is they've put it into a virtual world and they've allowed you now to, to hook up with friends in a, I suppose, a virtual... Uh, the, the ones that you've got demoed available are virtual sitting rooms and you can talk and chat with friends and you can stand up and move around and your avatar moves and you can have a conversation as an avatar. It's awesome. It is quite cool. But one of the things they're actually doing there is allowing you to also collaborate and do things that where a group of you can paint a painting. And what they're showing off is a demonstration at the moment that this avatar community can actually start to collaborate and share movies. So you can actually host a whole lot of friends to watch a Netflix movie via avatar now this isn't beta at the moment it's only going to be for xbox live gold subscribers but at the moment um anyone on xbox live can download it until september the 8th and basically it is called the connect fun labs gadget yeah you've got to download that full yep tool which actually ha- that's a component within the tool isn't it correct yes yep. Um, and yeah, so basically, you get this thing called the Connect Sparkler 3D, which is a, a group collaboration where you can paint and everything. And what they're trying to show really is that this thing's coming, it's going to be released soon, 
and I think a lot of the new software where you're about to play games in that, you'll actually go into a game hub rather than looking at the person's name, you'll actually be have a virtual reality experience using Connect and saying, well, let's play FIFA 2012. Cool, so we'll start playing and then we'll join and play the game and use your avatar. So it's quite a cool concept. You know what? I'm getting an idea for an Intertech podcast video podcast. I just know exactly where you're going. Oh, no. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> an avatar-based one. But, yeah, look, I think it's cool. I think we'll see a lot more of this with Sony and other places that are starting to get really into the, into the online space. But, um, yeah, it's interesting to see what's happening with this camera stuff. So it's good. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, good, good. Now, new hardware that's coming uh, coming through. Now, we've obviously had a chat about the um, the, the Roku box that we've been, that we've been using. Um, now, uh, in the last few days, Roku have also announced replacement boxes for mm. for the the ones that we've got. So that that's sort of that's Murphy's law, right? That's that's what happens as soon as you buy something, a new one new one comes out. Uh, we did actually, we did, we were sort of aware that was happening. Uh, the other thing is, Apple have released a bunch of new hardware uh, last week, tying in with the um, with with the launch of Lion. Uh, so we've got the new um, Mac Mini that's come out. Yeah, that looks really nice. Yeah, so really, they've, really they've nice. changed that around. They've got rid of the uh, CD drive. Yep. in there. Um, so that that's looking cool. That's using the new um, the newer um, chips. That's the, uh, was it the A5 chip or something like that? Is that right? Or? No, no. There's still an, that's an Intel um, i5 i5 in, chips here. An Intel oh, based. Okay. Yep. 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 So um, so we've got that. Uh, they also have the Thunderbolt um, displays. Yeah, yep. D- yep. display connection now coming through. And the other thing that we saw come through new was the new MacBook Air. And that's in a similar situation where it has a Thunderbolt connection. Now, you may be wondering, well, what's this Thunderbolt? Well, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a superset of USB, of a video connector. There's a whole lot of things that you can actually use it for. It's very high bandwidth. One opportunity that it finally creates for Macs, and this is one of the things that's, that's um, done my head in with, um, with MacBooks and so on, is that they've never had a way to dock them. Right. So there's no sort of docking station available, but with that that uh, connection, you could potentially plug one cable in and then run, you know, link into some form of a dock that does does your your video, uh, uh. your Ethernet, your USB, and so on. So I haven't seen any of those devices come through yet, but um, yeah, it's good it's good to see that that's happening. So um, yeah, some cool new Apple hardware out there. So now, now's definitely a good time to be uh, to be picking up on those. Yeah, and the Mac, the Mac Mini, very, very cool piece of hardware. If you want to do a home theater system, n- not a bad way to look at it. If you don't mm. want to do the Apple TV, mm. wow. Mm. Um, still, you know, in terms of what you're actually getting in the box, there's still, you know, you can see that there's, you know, <laughs> I know some people refer to it as the Apple tax. Uh, you know, you're paying a pretty big premium to get that. That little Mac Mini, you know, device. When you look at the value of the hardware that's in there, you'd probably say, "Well, there's about five hundred bucks worth of parts in there," but you pay about a thousand dollars for it. So, right, um, that's a little bit frustrating, but you know, that's the way it is. It's a unique device, and it is very, very good. So, um, yeah, well, well worth, um, well worth looking at. Other devices, um, we hear there's a new uh, new hard drive that's just come out from Western Digital in that very small, the two and a half inch uh, sort of form factor, laptop size, one terabyte size. It's scary how big they're getting. Yeah, it's um, 
There were three terabyte hard drives for sale when we were at Fry's in the US oh. for 149 US dollars, so for 170 New Zealand. So mm. I um, haven't seen them that cheap in New Zealand yet. That's no. phenomenal pricing. Yeah. I, the Western Digital, so you guys used them much at all before? Or? Yes. You like them? Yeah, they're all right. I, I mean, I've had problems with them, eh? I've really had problems with them, especially their portable Western Digital. I find them noisy, really, really noisy for some reason. Right. In my NAS units, I've got quite a few Western Digital. <laughs> NAS units. I, I have a few, so... Um, but because they're cheaper, to be honest with you. Yeah, they and are cheap. Cheap discs in a raid array, so I've got redundancy, so I just go for cheap discs. I mean, I, I can I can watch a, uh, that particular brand of drive. You know, maybe it's a cheaper drive version of it sitting on a table, fall over... And it's dead. Yeah, it's they just don't they don't seem to be very robust in the. I mean, if they're sitting in one location for end, end on end, perfectly fine, no problems with it all. But portable, they just don't seem to last. I don't know if that's an experience to I'm only I'm seeing, but yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, I think it does de- depend on the you know the class of drive that you're buying and so on. I don't yep. think all of their drives are are, are rubbish, but. Um, yeah, that's a it's it's not cool when you've had that experience. But the three terabyte drive that sounds fascinating, and I guess it hits into a bit of an issue is that um, it's still going to take time to access all that data on the on the on the drive, so it's not going to be super fast. And the one thing I find here at work is that everyone wants really big hard drives; they want lots of storage space. And then as soon as you start getting these cheaper drives in, because you know it's only a hundred bucks for a terabyte, so just plug it into the back and everyone can share it. Mm. Well, sure it doesn't is. quite work that way. No, it doesn't. And so that's one of the big problems I'm having is that the prices at retail are dropping and plummeting, but the enterprise storage costs are still reasonably high. Yeah, the but the 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 business sort of quality that's suitable to run in servers and so on, those prices are coming down and they'll you know, continue to but, do so, but, but not as much as yeah, the retail they, ones. The, the drive can be ten times as much as that sort of consumer one that you might walk into a you know a, a Dixmith or something and, and purchase and I think that leaves some people a little bit confused about you know why what do you mean it's going to cost that much to upgrade our servers yep. you know storage and the other flip side of that is in a business environment you need to back up your data yes. right and you you can't usually just do that on an ad hoc basis so you know you add a few more terabytes of storage the 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 costs of backing that up can be you know, in the thousands or tens of thousands. So that's that's part of the mix you've got to look at carefully. But in saying that the retail costs of getting these cheaper drives actually gives you an opportunity to have a cheap disk backup system as well. Right. I've got a homework assignment for all of us. Uh-oh. Right. All of us are going to do this for the next week's episode. We're all going to find a really, really good cloud-based storage service for doing backups. Oh, got one already. And test it out. I'm using it. And we're going to do it via a home <laughs> server. Because I was talking to a friend of mine today, Lowett, at work, and he was telling me that he has got a, home, a HP home server, Yep. and he's currently bought uh, paying $50 US a month for unlimited storage, and he's backing up 55 gig in the cloud, and if he has another friend on that service, he can share data between that as well in the cloud and restore it to their virtual cloud storage service. Wow. So we're all going to take an assignment, and we'll report back next week for cloud storage Services for New Zealand. We will have all blown out our data limits, our data on, limits our, gone. On, on our connections with but our internet providers. I think it's a good thing to start thinking about that. If the disk size are getting big, let's find some online. Everyone's going to the cloud, so let's see what we can do. So we'll do that for next week, eh? Yep. That, yep. All right, done. So, sounds good. Uh, now, last little bit of um, hardware bit I've got there is um, Hewlett Packard released a mouse 
that a wireless mouse that uses um, the Wi-Fi, the standard wireless that's built into all our laptops. So why is that big? So just for our listeners, what's why is that big? For what what does it normally use? A mouse would normally use. Well, you either have the little dongle that you sort of plug into your laptop or your computer, which is Bluetooth based potentially. Uh, they vary. Yep, yep. Or, or yeah, or the Bluetooth based ones. So um, yeah, if you've got Bluetooth, yeah, not much of a muchness, but I guess it's a. Um, it just means you don't need to have a laptop with Bluetooth, and also the Bluetooth itself consumes extra power. Cool. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's interesting. It's very cool. And what you were saying, the battery life on this thing is it's, apparently it's as much as nine months. So nine months battery life for a mouse. That's that's phenomenal. Insane. I'm sure that's not continuous usage, right? If you just sat there and didn't sleep and just kept using it, I don't think you get nine months <laughs> All right, out of. Paul, that's another homework assignment for you. <laughs> to find out how long I can go for it. Okay, I'm not going to sleep until I run out the batteries on this new um, H- HP Wi-Fi mouse. We right. could be in for a rather rough nine months of podcasting yeah. then. No doses <laughs> for Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that runs us through just about to the uh, just about to the end. Um, I don't think well, there's a couple more topics that we did want to cover, but I think we're going to have to say we're out for this week. So. Um, Although I think Brad's going to twist your arm. For yeah, one I more. Time. I, think, I think we've got one big bit of local news that's just come out today. Can we talk about that or oh, not? Oh, yes, yeah, we should actually. Yeah, because it's quite big. So Telecom New Zealand, uh, for our overseas listeners, basically this is New Zealand's telecommunication, largest telecommunications company, um, has decided to split. Now, we knew it was happening, but um, it's actually announced on how they're going to do it. So they're going to have two companies, New Chorus and New Telecom, the two company names. No, seriously, they're going to put new as the names. As that's what the placeholders are called right at the moment. Yeah, oh, okay. So that's, sure. not, that's probably not what they're finally going Let's to be called. Let's hope not. But uh, <laughs> we, we, we will see. But they've actually uh, sort of announced under New Chorus what they're going to be looking after. So it'll be the copper, um, all the access to network with some national transport and fibre, all the manholes and all that sort of logistic stuff. Right. New Telecom gets mobile, all the PST and hardware, um, all the overseas um, international calls, including AAPT, and some exchange and all the building hardware. So that's how the breakout. Now, the reason they're doing this is so that they can do the national broadband rollout and have some independence in what they're doing. Um, and in the middle, we'll sit some middle management to manage across it. The telecom will formally s- split into those two organizations over the next period of time. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that all goes. What are you guys' thoughts, quickly? Okay, <laughs> Skip's just crashed. Yeah, I, I, it's um, it's going to be tricky, and the the whole breakup of the or the deregulation of the industry has been a nightmare for us, really. So it's going to be interesting to see how much more breakups going to occur, what, what sort of impact that's going to have. Um, hopefully, it's going to be better, but we're already still. I don't think we still have fixed the issues of the de- deregulation space. Uh, even to the point where you can go and get, you can, I could go and get your phone reconnected somewhere else for laughs by ringing up the company. <laughs> I mean, there's some issues around that whole um, that whole um, moving and portability of numbers and stuff like that still need to be sorted out. So one thing I missed for New Chorus, there's a whole list on computerworld.co.nz. ADSL and DSL all been managed by New Chorus now, not um, not New Telecom. Yeah. Yep. So that's good. interesting. Just be aware that so if you broadband connection out there, all done by New Chorus now. And and that's wow, actually yeah. already the case. Those are already um, that is already looked after by the chorus. Division. Yeah, but only from the hardware. This will be the commercial side as well. 
So the when you front facing websites and everything will go to new chorus, not to well, the, no, you won't because an end user won't ever deal with chorus. So chorus, no, but chorus no, no. will be selling their services. No, 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 to, they'll to, have a consumer end. They can have a consumer arm. Telstra and all of the other bits and pieces. Wow! So I could go to chorus to get my internet. Yeah, you'll have a chorus website. You'll be able to go to a chorus consumer. And you'll be able to. The implementation will be done by chorus engineers, but they'll have a chorus front end that you'll call up and do coursework for you. So. Just clarified, mm. that means telecom's only doing telephones. So telecom, there's a whole list here. Ducks, uh, sorry, let me just... Uh, yeah, I think you guys might be reading a little bit too much too much into the short article that you've read on this. It's, it's, somewhat, <laughs> it's a somewhat complex uh, situation. No, actually, I read the uh, formal announcement from telecom. I've just been reading through it, and they actually state that Chorus will be doing a lot, a lot of the stuff now. So the Chorus, as we know, it was all the hardware layer. They'll actually step up a layer as well and start doing all the consumer stuff as well. So, yes, in the end, I still stick to my argument that it's confusing and it's going to be problematic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's see how it all boils out. Uh, but, but that's us for this week. Uh, thanks very much, everyone, for listening in. You can, of course, find us online, nztechpodcast.com, facebook.com slash nztechpodcast, and on Twitter, at nztechpodcast. So uh, thanks very much. See you later. See ya. Bye. Bye.